Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hi, it's Kay Dunkley here from the Pharmacist Support Service, Executive Officer of the um, of the Pharmacist Support Service. Thank you, Kay. I wanted to ask you what you think some of the issues are that pharmacists will experience arising from the announcements um, from the government. Mm, well, I think there will be a lot of impact. I mean, obviously, the actual changes to the funding of pharmacy will impact everyone because, um, you know, when you take money out of the system, there's less money available to um, employ staff and provide services. So that's going to affect everyone. But I also think that um, when it comes in, it's going to be very difficult dealing with the public because I don't know that their expectations will be met by what actually comes out of this new um, approach to funding medicines. And I think that, you know, they may well be, have misunderstandings or may actually um, be upset because they don't, they're not paying half price for the same medication because there'll be a lot of medications that aren't covered by the 60-day dispensing. It'll be a slow introduction. Some people won't meet the safety net. And I think it will fall back on the pharmacists to explain this to the public. The doctors won't necessarily understand it. The public won't understand it. It's going to have a lot of rules. And I think, you know, again, it'll be the people on the front line who are there dealing with um, perhaps people who are upset or angry about the rollout of the new system because it's not going to necessarily bring what they're expecting, which is, you know, less visits to the pharmacy and um, paying, you know, half price for their medication. So I think that that's really going to impact on the frontline staff. I mean, we're already seeing some impacts on frontline staff when uh, members of the public have actually been incited um, others to complain to pharmacies and make a fuss and tell them to take down the signage and the and stop running the petitions and things like that. And so we're already seeing pharmacists who are, you know, going and, and pharmacy staff who are going to work and, uh, you know, receiving sort of unpleasant behaviour and abuse from members of the public because of um, the introduction of 60-day dispensing, um, you know, in the and the campaigns around that. So, uh, you know, I'm very concerned for the well-being of pharmacists, pharmacy staff, by the introduction of 60-day dispensing. So, I guess with the recent announcements and the shock, and obviously the speed that things are moving at. Um, how have pharmacists responded? Look, certainly initially we had a sudden jump in calls to pharmacist support service with people from a wide range of backgrounds, um, you know, expressing concern or being anxious or being distressed by what had, 
you know, by the introduction and the fact that it wasn't what was expected and it seems to have caught everyone by surprise. So there was a lot of uncertainty early on and, um, you know, therefore uncertainty creates anxiety, which, you know, then people need to seek support. So, you know, we have definitely heard both from employers or pharmacy owners with concerns about the viability of their pharmacy, with concerns about the impact on their staff and whether they'll be able to maintain their staffing and how, you know, the the actual impact that the whole program is going to have. But then we've also heard from um, younger pharmacists, employed pharmacists and others who feel that their job, may, they may lose their job, they may not have work. And, you know, particularly it's very concerning when we've heard from um, pharmacy interns and even students who feel like they've made the wrong career choice because of 60-day dispensing. I mean, to be honest, I've been in pharmacy for 40 years and I've seen a lot of change over that time. And pharmacy is actually a very strong profession and we will get through this, but the uncertainty that it has created has caused a lot of, you know, angst in the profession and, you know, it's causing tension between employers and employees. It's also causing anxiety. Uh, people are worried about pharmacy viability. They're worried about the consumer reaction. There's a lot of things that, you know, are causing distress. So what might be your concerns for pharmacists going forward? Look, I, th I mean, I think, you know, we obviously need to know more about the day-to-day -day, um, implementation of the plan, but obviously anything that takes funding away from pharmacy is a concern. And I know there's been discussions saying that the money will be put back into pharmacy, but I'm just not quite sure where this new money is coming from. Um, and, you know, in fact, it's the pharmacists who are actually funding the change. Um so, you know, I think that going forward, you know, there's going to be obviously the stress of the introduction. People will need to, you know, increase their stock holdings, which isn't, a, you know, isn't a good business tactic necessarily, but they may need to because of stock shortages. The pharmacists on the front line will be dealing with the public who are, you know, seeking all their medications as 60 days when some of them are not eligible and will feel that, you know, they're not being treated fairly or that the pharmacy's withholding their medications and things like that. So, you know, I think that those sort of things, but also I'm concerned just about, you know, what, what the future will hold in terms of pharmacy viability, particularly in rural areas and, you know, for the rural communities, I think that um, that is, is a concern and I think that, you know, one, it's a concern for the community and two, it's a concern for pharmacists who have, you know, pharmacies in those areas or who work in those areas to know that, you know, they may, the pharmacy may close. So I guess I'd ask you about your views about what it might mean for patients in the short term and the long term as well. Yes, well, I think, I mean, there's a few factors here. I think in, the, in you know, there will be confusion, there will be uncertainty. Um, people will, 
automatically assume that they're going to get all their medications in 60 days supply and that won't be the case. Um, I think that consumers, I mean, there is obviously a, a benefit to full paying customers of the pharmacy in terms of cost saving, but I don't think there will be a huge benefit to people who are on concession cards and, um, you know, risk paying, um, getting there, they won't reach the safety net, there'll be other factors. But I also think it's going to become more confusing because people are going to have medications that run out at all different times, so they won't necessarily have less visits to the pharmacy because, you know, they'll still be going in every month for some medications and going in every two months for others. There'll be possibly a tendency for people to try and stock up on medications because they'll be worried about shortages. Um, and, you know, I think, I mean, yes, I'd like to see, I think a better approach would have been the one that was proposed where there's a price reduction rather than reducing of, you know, increasing the amount of medications. And I think, you know, we've, we've realistically, the more medications people have in their private home, the more chance there are of confusion, overdose, um, more chance of medications being wasted because medications have changed. They've just had 60 days dispensed and then their medications change. So, you know, I think there's a, a lot of potential there. I mean, there is something to be said for the benefits of going into a pharmacy every month and um, having the opportunity to talk to the pharmacist when they pick up their repeat scripts. I mean, I think a lot of people will still be going in that frequently because, you know, medications will run out at different times. But I think, you know, that's going to create confusion as well. What is your advice to pharmacists about what they can potentially do to challenge the 60-day dispensing and protect their um, protect themselves and their staff and during this challenging time? Look, it's it's tricky because um, we do need to get the message across that you know it's not acceptable to to implement a funding cut to pharmacy, but we also need to be be confident that you know the pharmacy profession is strong. It has endured a lot of changes over my forty years, and you know longer than that. I mean, if you look back. Some of the articles, I think recently AJP put out an article about the initial introduction of the, um, of the you know, pharmaceutical benefits scheme or the NHS as it was, you know, and then, and we've weathered all of that and I think we will come through and we'll look at different ways of doing things. So I think it's really important that, you know, teams are there supporting each other, being well informed that any, like, the, you know, the employer, the owner of the pharmacy keeps the team well informed about the changes and provides, make sure they're well informed so that they can keep the public informed. And I think, you know, having um, clear explanations to provide to members of the public so that they understand what's going on is going to be important. But, yeah, I think, you know, it, it all comes back to that sort of supporting each other through teamwork, through good information and good communication about what's going on, I think these are really important things. And not to sort of feel that, that you know, pharmacy's not... I mean, pharmacy will continue. There's no way that the whole pharmacy system will close down. I mean, when they first introduced the 
community pharmacy agreements. There was a lot of pharmacy amalgamations at that time. And yet now we've sort of increased our numbers of pharmacies and pharmacists and we still don't seem to have enough pharmacists. So, you know, I think we can be assured there will be work. Um, I'm hoping that there'll be increased automation, particularly in the dispensing process, and that will free up pharmacists to increase their time speaking to the public and, in you know, having good communication with the members of the public rather than sort of doing the routine dispensing tasks, whether it's having dispensary techs or whether it's using technology, you know, robots and things like that. I'm hoping that that's what will happen in pharmacy and that we'll use this as a way of, in, you know, increasing the time we have available to communicate and to discuss medications and to support our our, you know, communities who come into our pharmacies. Is there any advice you have for pharmacists about how they can prepare for the 60-day dispensing? But um, importantly, for those conversations they need to have that you've mentioned. So even um, staff might have a reduction in their hours, even if they don't lose their jobs, they'll have a change in their um, scope or the job requirements. There's going to be a lot of change going on in a pharmacy. So maybe some advice on also how to communicate that effectively. Mm, and look, this is going to be, you know, having those open communication channels within the team in the pharmacy and making sure that, you know, each person has a chance to speak to the people who are making the decisions about rosters and hours of work and roles and when there's a change in a job description that they actually consult with the person who's going to be impacted and get their suggestions and advice because I think you know in, as a an employee if you're consulted and you feel as if your viewpoint's been heard you're going to accept change much more than if it's just inflicted upon you so I think it's really important that owners and managers spend some time talking both to the all their staff as a group and keeping them well informed about what's happening, but also consulting with individuals. And it might be that someone's quite happy to, you know, have their hours cut because they actually want to be home a little bit earlier with their family or something like that. So, you know, it's a matter of negotiation and consultation and and really, you know, that keeping those communication channels open and, and enabling the employees to talk to the managers and the and the owners of the pharmacy and and have their viewpoints and ideas heard and also you know with the whole implementation it may be that you know the <clears throat> staff in the pharmacy have some good suggestions that can be taken up they know often they're the ones dealing on a day-to-day -day basis with the people coming into the pharmacy. So I think it's really important that their voice is heard and that they're consulted and uh, given the opportunity to sort of, um, you know, express their viewpoints and make suggestions and manage the change. What are your thoughts about the fact that there was a lack of consultation or that this has come up quite quickly? Can you share your thoughts on that as well? Look, I think, I mean, it's the same situation as in a workplace that if there's a lack of consultation between government and pharmacy that it, you know, it causes breakdown in communication, it causes backlash, it causes anger and that, you know, having conversations, being involved in, 
in guiding decisions. I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, our pharmacy leaders um, are involved in the actual decisions around implementation and how it's going to be rolled back, that they have quite a bit of say in, you know, the, I suppose, you know, how things occur. I, I gather that it's going to be a gradual rollout. And I think that, you know, it's really important that we our voices are heard and acknowledged. I mean, even if the government had been, you know, had acknowledged that this was going to impact on pharmacy rather than deny it, it makes a big difference, I think, to how pharmacists receive the news. Um. How do you thought, because you've mentioned GPs and that's so everyone's in different understandings and different stages of understanding what the process means because there's still very little information available out there. So I guess I would ask what your views are about the commentary or is it bringing healthcare professionals together or what are the ways that we can work together better through this process as well? Well, I think it's important that there is good communication between the local community pharmacy and the GP practice, particularly at the time of implementation. It's going to be really important that the GP's software is up to date and can, you know, manage the changes in prescribing um, that are people are going to be seeking. Um, and that when there are issues, like say when there are shortages, that there's good communication between the pharmacy and the GP practice so that solutions can be found for the individual patients, particularly if there's shortages of particular molecules um, and that, you know, they're, they're not available, that there are, is that sort of collaboration with the focus on the patient in these circumstances and obviously, um, it's, you know, it, there will be hiccups, there will be problems. And I think, you know, keeping those communication channels open is really important. And I think on the whole, most pharmacies do have a reasonable rapport with the regular medical practices in their area and, you know, vice versa, and do have respect for each other and, and the different roles. And I think often the sort of... Um, shall I say, negative approach occurs at a higher level, um, higher organisational level, not at the ground roots of the pharmacists and the GPs in the local area. And I think too, you know, obviously we've got specialists who will also be prescribing some of these molecules and they might not be as well informed and their software might not be up to date. So, you know, I think it's got to be the Education and interest and, you know, information needs to be widespread and well, in, you know, there needs to be good implementation so that the problems um, that might impact on patients are, are minimised. And obviously there's still more people affected, like interns who might be worried about placements, wholesalers that might be worried about stock, um, locums who are, might be worried about finding other roles, banks who might be considering financing pharmacies and the pharmaceutical industry and, and many other um, stakeholders will be affected. So I guess I'd ask about your opinion about all the different groups that might be impacted about this as well. Mm, I mean, it's interesting. I was actually speaking to one of the larger wholesale companies, a senior staff member in one of those companies today, 
And he lamented the fact that they don't know yet what molecules and they've got a, a massive distribution chain out to, you know, a lot of pharmacies across Australia and they're still in the dark about what molecules are going to be impacted. So I think, you know, it's it's all this uncertainty creates um, tension. I mean, I, I don't think, I think there's still going to be lots of roles for intern pharmacists, you know, the all of the um, groups are, are actively recruiting for the interns for next year. I don't think there'll be any shortage of, of jobs for intern pharmacists. I don't think that will change. Um, I think that, you know, perhaps there'll be some drop-off in locomot, but it's very unpredictable. I mean, people still need to have sick leave or annual leave and, you know, take their breaks. So, you know, I think that we're still going to need people who are locums. We're still going to need new pharmacists coming into the system as interns. You know, we're not going to see a massive reduction in in um, jobs instantly. It'll be a grad, you know, it might be a gradual change, but I also think that we'll be, you know, broadening our scope you know, we're in a very fortunate position with a number of, you know, different scope broadening projects underway at the moment. And I think that will create new roles for pharmacists and, you know, there will still be plenty of work out there for people who are registered pharmacists. So I don't think there's any need for anxiety. I mean, I think the financial side of things, obviously, you know, that's got to be worked through. I know that there's a couple of companies have put out a uh, formula that um, can be used by pharmacies to look at what the impact's going to be. So, you know, there may be discussion. They may need to have discussions with their bank around, you know, their loans and things. But, you know, we're not going to see the wholesale, um, I suppose, um, you know, a huge decrease in the number of pharmacies will still have many pharmacies. I mean, I think the recent announcement just yesterday to say that registered pharmacists can't work in premises that don't have a PBS approval, I think that's going to have far more impact than 60-day dispensing on pharmacies that perhaps are operating out there um, without a PBS approval number. Um, and that, you know, that's probably going to make a bigger impact than pharmacies, you know, closing. But I do, I'm, I am very concerned for the regional pharmacies. I think that, you know, the they don't have the income. I just hope that some of the funding goes back to rural pharmacy, particularly, um, you know, because they don't have, like, the economic situation in the rural areas of Australia is a lot tighter. The community don't have a lot of spare money to be paying extra for services and the local pharmacist is often their main health service that's available and is readily available. Um, you know, often they may or may not have a GP or GP may only be available certain days of the week. So they need somewhere they can go. So, you know, it'd be, I think it's really important that we look at funding going back into rural areas to ensure that pharmacies can remain operating in, you know, regional Australia. I think it's so important. It's such an important part of health services in those locations. 
No, I'd ask what your sentiments are for pharmacists um, through this challenging time. Any other sentiments for pharmacists going through it? Well, look, you know, I'm I'm concerned because I think there is a, a, you know, people are feeling discouraged. They're feeling anxious. They're, you know, they feel that they've been, again, undervalued and not appreciated. You know, this has come on the back of a pandemic when pharmacists went all out, doing so much more, you know, increasing their scope with vaccination and the rollout of COVID vaccination particularly, um, and staying open right through the pandemic when a lot of other people were working from home, pharmacists were still there on the front line. So I think, you know, there is this sort of, I suppose, general feeling lack, feeling of lack of appreciation. So I'm concerned, but I do think, you know, we have to look at the history of pharmacy and be assured that we've come through a lot of difficult things in the past and pharmacy and pharmacists is very, you know, we're all very resilient and we will get through this. I think, you know, we need to um, just, you know, sort of work on our plans of how we're going to approach it, support each other. And I think that's one of the most important things we can be doing is supporting each other, being nice to each other, being kind, being compassionate to each other. And, um, you know, working together to bring the best out of this situation. You know, we've been through tough times before in pharmacy. We'll get through this. I mean, John Coppock, the president of um, PSS, he's in his early 90s, so he's been in pharmacy for 70 years. And his words were, we've faced a lot of difficulty over the years. We've come through it. And... Um, you know, pharmacy is a strong profession. We are resilient and we will get through this. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.